Hello and welcome to the Honest Property Investment Podcast. My name is Natasha Collins and I'm the host of this podcast. I'm also the founder of NC Real Estate, which is my firm surveyors that helps landlords and property investors build commercial and mixed use property portfolios that completely align with their goals. If you want to find out more about that, please head over to ncrealestate.co.uk where you can find out everything about me and my firm and all that I do. So make sure you head on over to ncrealestate.co.uk for more information. How are you doing, everybody? I hope you're really, really well. I am back from a week off of podcasting. Not necessarily that I had a week off. I just didn't manage to fit in a podcast last week. (laughs) Sounds really strange because if you have read the mail out that will have gone out on the day that this podcast is published, I have said that August has been a bit of a slog. And it's slow because people are quite rightly on holiday and I've been getting frustrated with a constant chasing to get absolutely nothing done, right? That is a frustration of mine. But it seems like for me, because there's so many people on holiday, my perfectionist tendencies are that I have to pick up the slack with everything. And so I have been doing an awful lot but not been getting very far and tonight this is the Sunday August 28th so I'm recording this on a Sunday evening I'm looking back at my month and thinking uh what happened where did where did the month go what really have we got to show for it because it feels like not a lot of things are moving forward I don't know whether you get that in August but we're getting shut down on things like talking to tenants about service charges because they are on holiday. We have had property deals fall through the cracks because people have been on holiday. We've not been able to get lending quick enough. Um, Solicitors are on holiday. It just feels like lesson for me is next year, just agree to myself that August is a write-off for getting things completed. Things do move, but they move along an absolute snail's pace. Um, And twin that with the fact that people are really, really, really scared about what's coming over the coming months. And I agree, the hike in energy prices by 80%, 80%. Who is letting that happen? One of the biggest frustrations for me is the fact that the UK seem to really heavily rely on Russian oil and gas and have not got any backup, which says to me that the Russians are in the Conservative Party's pockets. And as much as they've put sanctions on it, that doesn't go far enough because otherwise our government would have gone and sought supply from elsewhere if we are not making enough renewable energy or energy at all on home soil, right? Because they have known since 2014 and probably before that that something was going to escalate with Russia invading the Ukraine. You know, it's been on the table. It's not as if 
Putin hasn't said anything about it. He's been after that area for years and years and years. And still, the government are blindsided to it. Oh my gosh, we now haven't got this cap on energy. Um, part of it's to do with Brexit or whatever they're saying. It's just excuses. Literally just excuses. Putting a country through the ringer. For what? I don't get it. I don't get it. The people at the top of the UK government... The people in power have no freaking clue about what goes on in regular, normal people's lives. And it frustrates the hell out of me. And look, I'm not saying that I'm one of these people who's really, really struggling right now. I've put myself in a very, very good position. But it doesn't mean that I'm not worried about it. You think about all the tenants who have to pay those increased prices. What do they pay? You know, who gets to go after them first First and foremost? Energy companies can go and put a CCJ against their name. I mean, at what stage as a landlord can I do that? So then I become the second, third person chasing for debt. You know, we all put our priorities first. That's the similar with commercial tenants. Similar in that energy companies or utility companies will go after them really quickly if you miss a payment utility companies do not hesitate to just slap a CCJ on you if they can't get hold of you or they're not getting a payment. I've seen that happen so many times over the years, you know, and tenants that accidentally in that situation. But as a commercial landlord, I also get the right to forfeit. I can uh, put a CCJ against uh, commercial properties or at least, you know, make sure that that debt will be owed to me and eventually it will be paid but my god it's so disappointing and it feels like it's kind of been done on purpose you know Boris Johnson's swanning about doing whatever he can he wanted to lead the country until September for what mate for for what what are you doing and then elect not electricity interest rates have to go up because inflation is rising and interest rates have to go up to curb it in inflation and it's only going to get higher i think it's going to rise interest rates are going to rise so the bank of england base rates probably going to rise another two times before the end of the year so what is that for investors well our interest rates go up but also they're squeezing the amount that people can borrow. You know, so all these factors are coming into play right now, which if you've got cash or an appetite for risk, or you can stomach these high interest rates, which I really stress that you're able to do, my gosh, if you were betting on the fact that interest rates were gonna say below 3% on our lending, there's something really wrong with you. Interest rates were always going to rise. But if you can't stomach that, then it's going to be super turbulent over the next 12 to 18 months. However, if you can stomach the interest rates and you can stomach interest rates of 6, 7, 8%, you're probably going to be okay. And if you can continue investing during that time, you know, there's going to be some bargains coming up. I always suggest don't sell when you're panicking, but... I really think that a lot of people are going to be panicking and they are going to be selling 
quickly. We're going to see a lot of fire sales. So as an investor, your job right now is to be on the ground picking those up. And slowly but surely, we're seeing them. We're seeing a lot of that come to market in auctions. There are there is finance available for you if you see a good deal. I'm not saying it's going to be cheap finance by any means. So maybe what you think of doing, and I can't tell you this for sure, because again, no crystal ball over here. Yes, I've got a glass of wine, no crystal ball. Um, you are probably going to be investing to break even over the next couple of years with the hope that interest rates go down in the next five years and you start making a profit again. Eventually, interest rates will go down because they do ebb and flow. You know, that's pretty standard. You know, at the moment, interest rates are at not an all-time high, but they are very high for what they are. So they should come back down, but the government seriously has to get a grip on where we're getting our energy from. Bloody hell. I just can't understand how people don't have any foresight for this kind of stuff. Like, what do you do? Bumble around all day. Oh, no, I got I got elected to office. Who gives a toss about what's going on in the real world? Come on. Come on. Like, anybody could have seen this. And that's what really, really frustrates me at the moment. Um, and even to the extent that I'm a little bit confused about what to do next. I've got an energy tariff that has come up to an end and I do need to fix that back in. But how do I know what's good? Nothing's good. None of it looks great. You know? And I'm sure that everybody else is in that situation too. It's utter madness. Utter madness. And then... Twin that with the fact that at the moment we live in Austin, Texas. That's kind of where one of our bases is. You know, we're based in the UK, we're based in Austin, Texas in the US. And again, we have a shoddy governor in control. I can't vote for, cannot vote for it. I'm British. I reside mainly in the UK. I would never get voting rights in the US anyway. I wasn't born here. Um... And Mr. Abbott has put in place one of the toughest abortion restrictions anywhere. The guy's a moron. He's got no idea what goes on in the real world. It's like he just bumbles around making life hard for anybody that's not a white man. And that frustrates the hell out of me as well, because that means that as a woman, I don't get the access to um, medication that I need or I may need, because if it's got anything to do with abortions, women can't get it. Men can, though, because abortion pills aren't just used for uh, abortion. They're used for other illnesses, too. And that frustrates me no end. And the only resolve that I've come up with is that I have to go and help Beto get in for November. So that's what we've been doing. You know, I, I can't vote, but I sure as hell can help in the area. You know, Chris's side of, Chris, my husband, he pays tax in Texas. I pay tax in the UK. We separate things out like that. But bloody hell, what is going on in both of these countries? It's, it's literally people who have no understanding of real life running countries. How they got voted in, I have no freaking clue. You know? 
I don't understand that in the slightest. There are so many things that just seem abnormal to me. And I think that is part of the reason why last week I didn't really have much to say on the podcast because I think I spend all of my days in property and in the evenings I doom scroll. I don't know about you guys. I doom scroll though. And what I see is not pretty and it makes me so angry. The amount of people I report to Twitter, to Instagram, I don't even post on Instagram anymore, I don't really want to see it. Um, Because the biggest thing that I can't understand, why do people want to put other people in harm's way when the situation they're creating has absolutely nothing to do with them? Why? I don't understand that. And it's just about control. It's just absolutely about control. And it makes me angry. Really, 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 really angry. And yeah, that's me expressing it in my terms and how I feel as I'm sat here on this lovely sunny Sunday evening. It's sunny. Um, I've treated myself to a gorgeous glass of wine. I have been decorating a breakfast table and chairs because I couldn't find anything that... I really liked for our breakfast area, so I went thrifting. You know, that kind of stuff is like, it has to take my mind off of stuff. So during weekends, I have to sometimes just shut shut off all of this, everything that's going on. I like to be involved with it. It really helps me do my job properly. But my gosh, if you have been sat at home or commuting or wherever it is that you scroll through social media news outlets and you're just thinking, bloody hell, this is not right. I'm with you. I am absolutely with you. It is mad in this world. And everybody's on holiday. (laughs) So nothing's getting done, including Boris Johnson. Um, (laughs) So you go, that's my kind of, that's my overview of how I've been feeling recently and what I've been doing to try and take my mind off it. A lot of reading rom-coms in the evening, decorating furniture, sorting this house out bit of gardening here and there when it's not too hot, um, a lot of walking the dog. That really, really helps me stay um, grounded and able to think about things in a reasonable manner because you have to. Um, certainly being in property, you've always got to come back to what do I want to achieve from the discussion that I'm having and always focus on that and how do I create a win-win situation. So if you are not getting the chance to let off steam and all of this bad stuff is happening, all this chaos you know, craziness, it can seem overwhelming and out of control and I completely get it. So this is also me saying, please make sure that you're taking time to enjoy stuff. There is still things out there that you can enjoy. Um, For me, even simple things like taking Harry to the splash pad and watch him, you know, crawling around in the uh, really shallow water, just, it means I can't have my phone on me. And for me, that's, really, really refreshing. So I want to tell you about something that I've done this month that because of my annoyance about everything going slow, because I'd opened a SAS and didn't have anything in the SAS and knew knew that at some point I was going to have to pay fees on it. Um, People coming to me and saying, Natasha, it's impossible to set up a SAS and invest in commercial property really quickly. And because I've been joking about this for months and months and months and months, 
I purchased a telephone box. (laughs) I actually make myself laugh. I really do make myself laugh. I have to do these things from time to time just to make sure that, you know, there's a funny side to property investing. And some of you may be listening to this and think, Natasha, what have you done? And I will tell you what I've done. So for ages, ages and ages and ages, I have been looking at telephone boxes when I'm in the UK and thinking, how have people been so innovative with them? You know, some of them have got libraries in them, some of them got flower stores, some of them have got cafes, some of them have got defibrillators, you know, all manner of things. Google it, honestly, Google telephone boxes in the UK and you will find how innovative people in the UK are. It's absolutely freaking brilliant. I love it. So then I realised that people were also renting their telephone boxes out, not for huge sums of money, but, you know, 50 to £100 a month. And I was like, wow, there's a business to be had here. And then I thought, well, it's commercial property, isn't it? Because you can't live in a telephone box. It's three by three. You are not living in that telephone box, that is for sure. But you can get electricity into the telephone box and you can get water if you want it, right? So then you've got this three by three patch of land, bearing in mind you don't own the freehold of the land underneath, just as an FYI, you own the right over the land for as long as your telephone box sits on the land. So only you as the telephone box owner can decide to pull the telephone box from the land. No one can come along and tell you to take it away. So as long as you leave your telephone box on that land, it is your land. That's how it works with telephone boxes, just an FYI. Um, so when you're buying a telephone box, it's not as if you go through all this lengthy legal p- procedure. It's you're buying a shuttle, there's a couple of page of contracts, that is it. You know, it's not that uh, overwhelming. You do it within a week, <laughs> that is it. So all these ideas were bubbling around. And then, as you will all be aware, I started my SAS because I own a limited company, my company trades, there's profits in it, I can transfer the profits into my SAS. I also have old workplace pensions, which can also get into my SAS. But if anybody has tried setting up a SAS and transferring your pensions, the pensions that I previously had are just in no way wanting to transfer my money into a SAS. So they're just dragging their feet, great thanks pension schemes for losing my money and not giving it to me where I can reinvest it, but whatever. Um, I keep fighting for my measly, I think it's £13,000, might be a little bit more than that, but trust me, there's not really that much in it. Remember, I'm a millennial, we don't have access to these great pension schemes and I opted out of a pension scheme for the first six years of my employment because I got massive bonuses, which meant that I could go and invest in property. So that's always been my decisions and where I've been with it. But now I've got a limited company. For the last couple of years, we've started turning a profit. Um, FYI, anybody who's like, why didn't you turn a profit from year one? You try growing a business. (laughs) All right. You have to put a lot of money into a business to get started. And you have to get the reputation going. And for me, reputation was everything. I didn't need a huge client base to get started as long as I made sure that I did absolutely everything that I could for them. Okay, so that was how I started my business. I'm not ashamed of admitting that. Um, My property portfolio propped up my business for the first three years of trading. 
standard. And I also have my university job, right? So I'm not ashamed of saying that. But now that I am turning a profit over, it's really good to have my SaaS because I can pay my profit into my SaaS. Fantastic. So there's not a huge amount of profit in there. Again, we're a growing firm. I'm hiring. I need to keep money in the coffers um, because we're expanding. But there was roughly 10 grand in profit that I could put into my SaaS, which I did. And then I thought, well, you can't just keep money in here not doing anything. Definitely not. It is time to go back to the telephone box idea. So there's not always many telephone boxes on the market. If you have a look around, there's not often that many. But I had seen telephone boxes go from anywhere between five grand to 50 grand. And so I knew um, that 10 grand would get me something. I didn't know where. I certainly didn't think London at the time. Um, but a couple of weeks ago, we were just searching the market. I was on BidX, that's where I bought this telephone box through. And I saw one of the central London telephone boxes was on at um, 10,000 pounds. So I reached out to the agent and he said, no, it's a mistake. Um, it's actually meant to be 15,000 pounds. I was like, right, why would you advertise something um, as less than you want to buy it? But anyway, I thought, fine. So I then started Googling around and they had another telephone box um, that was on the market for 11,200. Again, in central London, it was a slightly quieter location. So I said, okay, fine, Look, I'll buy that one. I'll put an extra £1,200 into my SAS, but I'll buy the cheaper one. Now, I had to run this past my SAS administrators and they laughed at me a lot. <laughs> if you heard the uh, you heard the uh, call or the podcast the other week with Retirement Capital, they did laugh at me because this is a very harebrained scheme. But I was like, no, don't worry. I actually want the telephone box for a marketing ploy for NC Real Estate. When I say marketing ploy, I think it's going to be a lot of fun. I don't want to tell you too much about it because it's going to ruin the surprise, but trust me, we have got awesome things coming and it's going to be learning about commercial property. So I said that my SAS could, let to, could rent this telephone box to NC Real Estate and we would use it for marketing. So my administrators were like, yeah, fine, counts as a commercial property. So um, I went back to BidX and said, OK, fine, I'll buy that one for £11,200. And they said, great. Um, OK, deal done. Here's the contracts. You need to sign the contracts. Fine. The agent that I was dealing with then went away on holiday. He was like, OK, the contracts will come through on Monday. My colleague's now picking this up. Monday, the contracts came through and I signed them. I paid my deposit. And it turned out that I'd signed contracts on the original one that they had told me was worth £15,000. Fabulous. So now I have this telephone box in a better location than I thought I was bidding on. It is so central. It's in an area that, you know, I'd love to own a massive multi-unit property there. I am not at the level where... I am buying things for a four or five percent yield that it would command in that area. I just I'm not I'm not that kind of investor. Um, 
I'm still young, I need to buy things at a higher yield so that I can reduce the yield over time. So central London really is out of my league until I probably hit retirement age and then I can do what I like, you know, buy these really um, cheap, really cheap, no, very, very expensive properties in London. And I will love it when I do, when I can't be bothered to do any strategy with them. At that point, I'll go central London and I'll just pick up some massive buildings. Right now, not for me, not part of my strategy, but there's telephone boxes because it is in a great location, right outside a Pizza Hut, that is a hint, um, right by one of the biggest museums in London, that is another hint, I'm not going to tell you too much more, again, we've got a really good idea for what's coming. So I'm letting this telephone box out that I wasn't expecting to buy because I was told I didn't have enough money, they accidentally sold me the wrong telephone box, amazing, um, and I'm letting it out to my company for £80 a month. Overall, I paid 11200 and I had to pay fees of 1250 You are probably screaming, that's not a great yield, Natasha. It is in my SAS. Because I'm paying for it in cash. You can't get lending on a telephone box on its own. Uh, it's not big enough to get lending on, but it's making an income, which means that I can immediately afford my uh, SAS administration fees every year. So my SAS is not having to be topped up with my own money that's not making any money. And I get to increase the value of this telephone box by putting electricity in there and water if I want to. Where is the downside in this? I can't see it. Now, I might come back to you in a couple of months time and say, hey guys, I, I don't know, can't let it out or what have you. But for the moment, it really serves a purpose because I get people coming to me all the time saying, Natasha, oh, I haven't got enough money to get started. I haven't got this, I haven't got that. Whereas from my point of view, it's all about seeing what the opportunities are. What can I get today? Now, this was all about entertaining myself in a very slow month where I wasn't feeling that great. As you heard from my rant at the start of this, that I went on for 10 minutes, my gosh. Um, but my job is also to be innovative. I have so many ideas for what this telephone box could be. It could be storage. It could be um, a delivery locker. It could be a flower stool. It could be a ticket stand. It can simply be my marketing outlet with a very fun scavenger hunt that we've got coming, right? But all of these things serve a purpose and there's value in that, right? I'm not out there for hundreds of pounds a month for this thing. I'm out there for 50 to 80 pounds a month and if I get that, fantastic, that's being paid into my SAS. So where do I go from here? Right, so I'm still waiting on the keys to come through. Uh, as the Royal Mail were on strike this week. So I haven't yet got the keys, but once I've got the keys, I will give that to the key holding company so that they can hold onto my keys. Um, so I don't ever have to be there to open up. We're then going to develop our marketing, which is going to cover the unit. I will get it hosed down. Um, I'm getting my cleaner to just go in there and hose it down, clean around the outside, clean all the stickers off. And then we'll set about our marketing. I'll get a um, lease in place 
with my company. It will just be a two-pager because it's only small. And it also needs to be insured. That's something that I've got to work on in this coming week. But once we have done that, it's pretty much just paying an income. And I'm excited about it. I like doing these fun little things because it makes me laugh. It really makes me smile. Because every time I've told someone, um, hey, I've just bought a telephone box. They're like, seriously? I didn't even know you could buy one of those. Yes, you can. I just did it. Um, and then they think, are you mad? Yeah, probably I am mad. And then they go away and Google it. And they come back to me with all these wonderful ideas of what I could do with it. I've got pages and pages and pages of ideas, right? Pages of ideas. So if one thing doesn't work, we go on to the next, and we go on to the next, and we go on to the next. That's what property investing is, right? That is investing. That is putting a bit of risk into something and having a good time with it because that's what our assets are for. I love this kind of stuff. This makes me tick. It makes me laugh. It makes me smile. It just makes me giggle about how one day my son is going to realise that he has been left a telephone box in central London. <laughs> how funny! How funny is that? You see? Property can make you smile. And now I have set some kind of bar as well. <laughs> some kind of bar. What could you invest in for under £15,000 that counts as commercial property? You tell me. Get in contact with me and let me know. Natasha at ncrealestate.co.uk If you have invested in something that's commercial property, so basically no one can live in it, that's the definition of commercial property. Um, for under £15,000, I want to know what it is please email me and let me know. Right, there we have it. That's me for this week. I hope you've enjoyed this podcast. I hope I've made you smile a little bit. Uh, thank you for listening. I cannot wait to catch up with you again soon.